Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Of course, FA Cups uh, will start. We will be getting on a little later on to the third round, guys. Um, but of course, January comes around, and clubs, I think, in those days, in any time, have very different priorities. I'll start with you, all, uh, Arthur, because um, you are near at the top of the table. What, what, what kind of Manchester United team did you have in 1983, and how were you doing when the FA Cup rolled around in January? <coughs> I think we're doing we're doing okay. I think we ended up uh, in the season third and, uh, at the end of the season, but certainly. Uh, I think we'd only lost maybe three, three or four league games up until uh, the sort of Christmas period, and then obviously the FA Cup starts. And in those days, um, the European football or the Champions League wasn't as big as it is now. So I think the fans and everybody uh, waited with bated breath just to see who, if you got a home draw and who you got drawn against. And I think we got drawn at home to West Ham the first game in the third round. And um, you always want a home game to start with and, and hope that you can sort of make some progress. And Arthur, you know, a team, a Manchester United team. Um, these, those days, of course, still very much British and Irish, although there was mm. a, a great Dutchman and, of course, South African goalkeeper, from we'll hear much more about in a little while, um, and Frank Stapleton up front. But I guess the strong part of United's team, with all due respect, Arthur, would have been a midfield that contained Bray Wilkins, Brian Robson and mm. Arnold Muir, and all of them arguing yeah. at the top of their game. Yeah, Remy Moses, another one in there uh-huh. who's a great tackler. Uh, yeah, you're right, and Norman Whiteside was up front with Frank Stapleton. Norman obviously dropped back a little bit, so um, for midfield players, and I'm sure Jimmy would testify to uh, that there was well. quite quite a strong <laughs> midfield uh, that we had in there uh, with Ray no, as well. No, got a nice balance to it. Norman didn't drop back too far, put it that way. <laughs> well, when, <laughs> when, when some, I was around, <laughs> when somebody needed kicking, he used to drop back a bit. <laughs> and, uh, well, not when I was there. <laughs> uh, Jimmy um, and Gordon, t- tell me about Brighton Hove Albion at that time. Um, uh, they d- it was a struggle. I mean, had you d- was, it your, was it your first season in the, in the top division? I can't quite recall now. No, they've no, been, they'd us, been yeah. up. I, I signed for um, for Brighton in 1980, and that was uh, they'd okay. already been up for a season then. So they went yeah. up and went up in '79. But there was a bit of turmoil, and Jimmy would explain this too because what happened was Mike Bailey was the manager and had just been um, sacked basically in the January. Just yeah, to, that was Mike that brought me to the you know yes. the following season mm-hmm. in '81. After he, that, he so. brought you, Jimmy. That's right. Yeah. And he was he had just been sacked that season in 1983. The club were struggling a little bit. Were in relegation trouble, and uh, Jimmy Melia took over at the time of the cup run. 
And uh, the, but the the season was going. Uh, I mean, let's be frank. Well, it. it was going badly, wasn't it? <clears throat> right. Well, I, I, we we couldn't understand it really. We were playing, you know, uh, bit parts of games, and we were obviously losing games, and we were, you know, towards the the bottom. I thought we had a half decent side as well, but but again, it when when we got drawn in the cup games, I mean, it, it was as if the whole uh, the whole. Brighton Town come alive and it was just going from one game to the next and, and the, the excitement of the FA Cup was, was there within the, the town and, and it was basically as if the, the whole support was waiting for the, the, the next round, obviously it got drawn and then we knew who we were playing and then everything was bubbling up the, the, through the town, wherever you went you know, the, day, the few days before the actual you know, next game but if you check the, though, Danny, the Brighton had never had a cup run. No, that's that's the major thing to mention here. The fact is that Brighton had, I don't think, had ever been anywhere near the quarter final no, even. No. So that's why it was special, and also as special as you'll probably go through it in terms of the teams we played. We played a, a top team in every round, a top division team. They're making out Arthur that you had it easy. <laughs> um, no, we. Uh, it's funny enough, we didn't really concede many goals in that run until I think we conceded the first FA Cup goal in the semi-final. So we always had people that could score goals. It was just a case of could we sort of keep a clean sheet, and we managed to do that for three or the first three or four rounds. I mean, I'll just uh, just just because I mentioned some of the Manchester United players, the Brighton squad included uh, you know, Gary Stevens, who went on to play for England, and um, Tony Grealish, a tough tough player, Michael Robinson, um, in his time, a tremendous centre forward. Um, many good players in that side, and of course, um, Jimmy Case. Um, yeah. You at least had the experience. You'd played in the <coughs> cup final in 1977. Yeah, against mm. yeah, against against Arthur yeah. again. Yeah. I, I never had much luck against them, lot <laughs> yeah. over. But um, again, it was um, a tremendous game. You know, we were you know at Liverpool at the time, and you know uh, we come up again. I think we'd already beat United in previous a couple of months before or a month before. Mm. Um, we were on for the treble and. Uh, with the European Cup involved in four or five days, four days later on the Wednesday, but we, I, I managed to score a goal, but to put it that way, uh, the the equaliser. But the, all the all the goals come quick and fast, and I think Lou McCarty scored one. Uh, well, it was debatable because every time I see it, it looks worse. <laughs> every time I see it, the winner. But having said that, I think Ray Kennedy at the foot of the post or something towards the end to get a draw. But you know, it was a well fought out game and you know obviously they walked away with the cup which Jimmy is, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be pleased to know Jim that, that that when you caught me on the ankle in the second half that bruise has just cleared up <laughs> and, just cleared up and, and the, one, the one from 83 is alright that's gone <laughs> oh, Arthur you're, you're very lucky then there are many of his victims who are not, not oh, quite so well, lucky well it is Arthur I, it's my job it's my job to take the ball off gifted players and you probably obviously caught my eye you were one of the gifted players so I had to deal with you <laughs> Gordon I mean just uh, just so this doesn't confuse people later in the programme you didn't spend the entire season at Brighton this year did you? In that season what happened was I had left in the, in the December Rangers uh, had asked me to come back up and play on loan I had just gone out the team at Brighton Mike Bailey had left me out and Rangers got in touch they had a cup final to play against Celtic League Cup final in yeah. December of 82 and they called me up now I went the amazing thing is and I can tell you this now at the time I never ever said anything about it I went in to see Jimmy Amelia <laughs> the chief scout of the club and said look Rangers want to take me up for a game I'm not sure I should go to go up and play in a cup final first game I haven't been at Rangers for like nearly three years and he said uh, I think you should go Gordon he said you'll get to spend you play in a cup final you'll get to spend uh, Christmas with your family and when you come back down here in a month's time I'll be the manager 
Wow. <laughs> That's what he said. And uh, I thought, that was a strange thing to say. <laughs> and so and, did you play in that final? Yes. And what was the result? Uh, lost 2-1. Oh. <laughs> That's why they had me in. The Rangers weren't, Gordon, Rangers weren't too good at that time. As we're going to hear, Gordon, this, that, then that's, that's going to be two losing finals for you in the course of a There wasn't a tap-in at the end, was there? Uh, there wasn't a tap-in, no. <laughs> funny, the funny thing is, though, it's a strange thing. I, I was once at a quiz, uh, a, a sports quiz one night, and the question was, who's the only player to play in two cup finals in the same season in two different countries? And I yeah. said to the guy I was sitting, I was at the table with a group of people, hmm. I said, well, there must be somebody else. I said, because I have. And, <laughs> and, and you know what the answer was? The answer was me. Yeah, it was yourself. It was me, and I didn't know I was there. Very good indeed. You, you mentioned to me immediately there. Let's have a quick word we made before uh, before the first break in our programme about the respective managers. One of them, of course, Arthur, a very, very famous manager. I, is it fair to say, and I talked about this, they used similar words about Man United's midfield, that Ron Atkinson at this stage is at the, at the, at the height of his powers? Yeah, I think uh, obviously coming into the club and he followed uh, Dave Sexton and probably uh, we underachieved really as a squad. We should have really be done better or been more consistent in the in the league and pushed Liverpool harder, but we obviously couldn't get there. So the cup uh, you know, was an outlet for us to hopefully win some silverware. And Ron, a lot of people have got this myth about Ron being sort of flamboyant and the gold change and champagne and all that. I've never ever seen him drunk and he, and he always he had a, a memory and a knowledge for football that was second to none. He could remember incidents from games from like six seasons previous. So I think the image he had, he liked to portray it, but it wasn't quite him. He he actually knew his football. And if uh, I'm right, I think I'm right in saying to the Brighton lads, if uh, Atkinson's image, as Arthur outlined there, um, was all flamboyant, Jimmy Melia couldn't be couldn't be more different, could he? <laughs> well, Jimmy was uh, the young girlfriend, and Jimmy was a boy for going out and uh, socialising a little bit in Brighton, as Jimmy okay, would tell well, you. He, he, he didn't look like that on the outside, did he? No, but he was. I think he did, yeah. Jimmy liked a good time. He had the white shoes, the dancing shoes, <laughs> oh, yeah. and all like that all the time. And he was was he, he was he a good bloke to play for? Yeah, he was. He was. He was easy to get on with Jimmy. He was very good. We we were very very disciplined under Mike Bailey. It was just ten, we tended to to have to play a certain way, very defensive. And, and Jimmy Case was saying it earlier on, and I agree totally with Jimmy that it was one of those situations that we weren't playing that badly. And I must be honest with you, we were not getting the results. And it was, and I think yeah. I've I've spoken about it many times, and uh, being a pundit now in, in radio, television, by saying, you know, you know what relegation form is. Relegation form is when you're playing well and you're not winning. Because that was what that's what happened for us. The only the only time we were getting results was in the cup. We we had as as, as we said before, we had a half decent side in, yeah. in in various positions. And and for me, when Jimmy obviously stepped in as the manager towards the, with Bailey going, um, it was one of them situations, one of Gordon where. where you know, you, you go your training on your Friday morning. We're going into a cup game the next day, and and it was as if like not saying the team picked itself, but we no. had a lot of strong characters within the dressing room with yeah. Steve Foster and and, and Michael Robinson himself, Tony Grealish, you know, Jerry Ryan, and obviously Gordon himself. So there was a lot of um, players that. Not that they, they would think they would automatically in this one, but who else are you going to put in? Yeah. Like it, 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 was, it was that like close-knit sort of team. We all got on really, really well. It was yeah. just a matter of we never got the, the results, what we probably deserved, no. but the cup mm-hmm. just seemed to go our way. Uh, guys, before we get on to the FA Cup runs, just a very quick word. Um, I think 30 years on, it's very hard for the younger listeners, and there will be plenty of them, um, to understand just how important, compared to now, the FA Cup was. 
I mean, I mean, Arthur, when the years when Manchester United were struggling to win the title, they still got to cup finals. It was a hugely mm. important thing, wasn't it? Oh, very much so. And you could always sense that the fans were uh, really up for it. And I think in those days of the FA Cup final, everybody used to sit sit down and watch it from sort of midday onwards, the build-up to it. Uh, I remember the Brighton game, we had cameras on the bus. I'm sure the, the Brighton lads maybe had it on the helicopter or bus or whatever it was they got there by. But certainly, More about that later on, <laughs> uh, yeah. We, uh, we had cameras on the bus, so the, the, the nation could get a whole sort of build-up of the whole thing and the, the build-up to it. And I think you had teammates talking about teammates basically introducing everybody and the thing, things like this. So, but, but nowadays, it's obviously not as big because, uh, as I touched on before, the premiership. Arthur, you, I think you had a bit of luck, actually, that year. You, uh, the, the, the TV commentator who uh, did the Brighton trip to Wembley was, was David Icke before he went mad. Is that right? Yeah, they had David Icke. Might have been the Brighton lads that turned them mad, and Jimmy Melia. But certainly, um, it was it was a much bigger, uh, sort of high-profile game. That everybody, as I say, the whole nation sat down and watched the cup final. Whereas nowadays, it's maybe just changed a little bit. Jimmy Case, I'm looking at you because yeah. you played in Liverpool side that won league titles. I'm not exaggerating to say that people. Uh, I hope I'm not exaggerating to say that people treated the FA Cup as as important as the, as, as winning the league title in this country. Well, it, it, it's all about the fans. Uh, I mean, you know, the players themselves. You know, when you, <laughs> as soon as you're able to play football, and, and you, as Arthur says, you, when you're a kiddie, you, you sat down there, you get everything ready, whatever the mm. afternoon snacks or whatever, you know, and and watch the build up right from the word go, and and you have visions of playing at Wembley. That was what it was all about. The day to day stuff. I mean, you have. A, 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 I had a vision, you know, when I was a kid to to play at Anfield and pull on that red shirt, and and I was never ever inclined to go to the blue half of the city I just thought I'd make that point but like what it is I think you've made it before Jimmy to be honest <laughs> but like what, what, what it is as I say the FA Cup final and just to, to walk out on that pitch with the you know and there was 90 I think there was 90,000 there when, when we played in 83 so for for all concerned and as I say it's, it's like a, a an epic movie it starts you know very very early in the day and then you're finishing towards the evening so you know and it was fantastic to watch with the build up and all that and, and it was just basic. It was one one of the football uh, sort of like uh, matches that was actually televised right the way through. There wasn't that much TV on uh, football yeah. TV in them. No, days. no, actually none. Well, let's let's talk about the early rounds here. The third round in particular, Gordon. As you said, you you were away in Scotland, um, yes. hoping to win uh, the League Cup. So I'll turn to Jimmy about this one. Um, Brighton drew Newcastle in the third round. You were in a run of terrible forms, having uh, having won just <laughs> one one win in ten games coming to this. And although Newcastle were in Division Two at the time and mid table, they had a team that contained Terry McDermott, Kevin Keegan, Imri Varadi, Chris Waddle. I won't go on. They had a hell of a team. Yeah. Um, so uh, when you drew one one at the Goldstone, you, you must have thought. Do you remember that game much? And you must have thought, wow, um, this, that may be us already out of the tournament. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you always look at. Well, coming coming on your home pitch and, and things like that, where the, the opposition's there, and they had some some names in there, as you rightly say. But but again, we looked at it that we we could possibly turn the, the way the cup was. It was a, a you know a bonus to get away from the league because, as you rightly say, we had a bit of a bad run at that stage. And if you're going to make anything out of your season, you've got to get a, have a good look look at the the FA Cup <coughs> as well. And anybody wants to you know to progress in the in the cup to the next round. But again, with it being Newcastle, and you would think you know on a home draw like that and you're going up to St James's Park it, I've been up there loads of times with Liverpool and with other clubs and Bournemouth and but again 
you know, it's always a difficult place to go. It's either wind, rain, snow, sleet, hmm. frost, or whatever. You always get that, and that's in June. You know, <laughs> so for me, yeah. it was going to be a difficult one because I know I've been there before. And the interesting thing is that there may have been the first signs that Brighton, something special was happening in that the winning goal in, that, in the replay at St. James was scored by Peter Ward, hmm. who had been... A hero at Brighton as a boy, played for England, gone off and uh, uh, for a big money transfer, and come back briefly. Was it from Nottingham Forest? That's right. On loan, That's and he right. got the winner that night. Well, what it what it was with Peter, you he's one of these ones that like he's unexpected. Once he gets away, he's got the pace about him, and he can finish. Well, he's a proven. He was a proven goalscorer, and on that particular occasion, he come up for us, and, and and that was it. That was our passage. Well, you you as you say, you made your way safely through into the fourth round. Um, uh, Arthur, what do you remember about uh, Manchester United's 2-0 win at home to West Ham? Uh, a fairly routine affair? Um, I was hoping you were going to give me some goal scorers there because uh, my, my memory's not as good as it used to be. But Steve, Stevie Coppel scored for, for right. United in the first half and uh, Frank Stapleton, so the usual suspects got usual, the goals. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, get, getting, uh, the, as I say, the third round FA Cup, um, we always used to want a home game and you, you didn't really bother if you got a first division t- uh, uh, first division as it was then, home, home side, because you always felt you could knock a team out and you might get an easier game maybe later on. But certainly, coming at the end of the Christmas games, uh, when you play four or five games in a short period there is a chance of upsets and you've just got to make sure you don't do anything wrong but um, as, I, as I said before I can't recall I can't even see the goals maybe if I saw them well, again I'll tell you remember what, I'll tell you what the days of putting out weekend sides in the FA Cup hadn't arrived let me just no. read you the 11 to you and uh, the Brighton's players are here among you might want to put your hands over your ears Bailey, Duxbury, Alberston, Moses, Moran, McQueen, Robson, Muran, Stapleton, Whiteside and Koppel I mean that's virtually mm. a Great Britain 11 isn't it at that time Pro- um, with all due respect yeah. to the Liverpool side of, of that particular no, no. time um, non-taken well, yeah non, <laughs> non-taken at that stage no that, so let, go on I was going to say that's arguably I would think the strongest side yes. then as I say you're coming off the Christmas period with three or four games in, in two weeks there was no question uh, that people wanted to be rested uh, as, as a so-called get now rather than rather than dropped everybody wanted to play the squads weren't as big either and probably in our day as well you maybe got a appearance money uh, so it was people were desperate to play the amount of guys I've played with who have not been 100% fit well, probably got to that stage of the season most guys were carrying some sort of injury but that's what the squads uh, were like in those days they didn't have 25 26 international players that you could you could call on everybody wanted to play I'll, uh, I'll give you more notice of the scorers in the in the fourth round in just a second Arthur because uh, in round four both sides having made the progress um Brighton, you returned Gordon, yeah. and you'll probably, I imagine you'll remember the next game because it was a pretty extraordinary uh, result in many ways. Brighton drew Manchester City at, at home in the old Golston. So at the time, City were mid table, though they were the team that went on to be relegated with you that year, 82 uh, 83. But Brighton gave them a tremendous thrashing, four goals to nil. Mm. And Gordon, one of the things we're going to hear a lot about over the next hour and a half or so, Jimmy Case, who seemed to score in every. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know. If you, how regular goal scorer you were, Jimmy? You got a lot of goals in this cup run, didn't you? I did. Uh, yeah, I, I can't really. I wasn't playing up front or anything like no, that. No. I was just coming from midfield, and uh, you know, it, it's all. A, I don't know. It's all about the team thing. But if you're popping up, and then it, it just seemed to happen for me. In, well, in Jimmy, the cup games. Jimmy won't say it himself, but I'll say it for him. And and. and he was a great player to play with, very skillful. Jimmy got a disreputation as yep. being a hard man, but Jimmy was a player as well. A great passer of the ball, 
great distributor and but he had a tremendous shot on mm. him and, and I have to say it if you look at the, the cup run if you take the games and the goals that Jimmy scored right throughout that run uh, as we went through even in the semi-final he scored a, a brilliant goal but Jimmy had a great cup run for us and, and, and one of the one of the key factors in Brighton getting to Farna Cup was, was Jimmy you, you forgot the assists as well <laughs> yeah. uh, you made a lot of goals too I, I'll give you that teller later on <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you made that point because Jimmy of course um, I'm going to, uh, he's here a few uh, three feet away from me so but I don't think of any danger Jimmy trades on this uh, reputation he had as a bit of a hard man but nobody played in that Liverpool side for five or six years whatever you were at Anfield yeah. unless they could play a bit could, mm. did they Gordon I mean that's, that's no, just they obvious could. exactly they couldn't and, and, and that's what I'm saying Jimmy was a player very very good player to play with assists we both made the, 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 the goal in the semi-final uh, that Mike Robinson <laughs> scored the winner but the Jimmy you said a bit of a hard man I think you've underestimated yeah. there um, uh, of all the people I've played with in my time and I've played with quite a few hard men <laughs> Jimmy's the top of the list to be honest with really? you really? <laughs> yes uh, well, well we've heard from Arthur about his ankles are just only healing now <laughs> well, Jimmy, just, just Jimmy's what Arthur, top of the list well just what Arthur was on about a little bit earlier with Ron Atkinson when I, well it was told to me I don't know whether it's entirely true but where you said Ron Atkinson knew his players and, and tactics and things like that well, when I moved to Southampton uh, for thirty thousand pound from Brighton to Laurie McMenemy, then then Laurie Laurie got the, the heave hole and Chris Nickel took charge, and that's when I, I believe when Remy Moses got his his bad injuries, and he <laughs> he, he, he retired. Um, that was when Ron Atkinson come in for me, and I was at a ripe old right. age. I think I was going to be playing alongside Brian Robson for a short spell I suppose wow. like a stopgap so that was what was there Arthur so I might well, have been right next to you but that, that would have been ideal well, I think with you Norman and Robbo in there that would have been it we could have three, you three could have took on everybody I was getting on <laughs> of a, 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 a certain age the police might have got involved though, Arthur <laughs> they, they might have done. I was doing okay <laughs> in them days I was getting you know so regular 5.8 in the paper <laughs> speak, speaking of old age um, just something occurred to me when I was, when I was doing what laughingly gets called research for this yeah. didn't you go back and play for Brightman you were nearly 40 again and played properly played 30 odd games for them yeah I was 41 and a half wow nearly 40 I was trying to I was trying to hang on in there to, to get up to Billy Bonds he played to 42 didn't he or he something did, like yeah. that at a certain level so uh, nearly made it but Billy's the top boy that was 10 years after this cup final we're talking yeah, about yeah. Hmm. Um, just to say that Arthur in the fourth round Manchester United won 2-0 at Luton Luton probably a better team than they are these days um, and it wasn't the usual suspects can you remember Kevin Moore and, and Remy Moses getting the goals I think uh, one of yeah one of them from a corner big scramble and I think Kevin got in there and scored if my memory's right but I think that was in the days before Luton's uh, pitch got obviously dug up and changed um, but certainly away from home against Luton I, I don't know whether were they in the first division at the time I think they might have been yeah, yeah. the proper team yeah but Green uh, brothers and all like that yeah, yeah that's it good result down there uh, in the fourth round and um, as, as I say you just want to make progress and to get through again uh, you're in the hat for the next round imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. code buttery exclusions apply see site for details
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Guys, let's just continue with... um. The, uh, the 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 run to the final and Jimmy Case, I'm, I guess I'd better talk to you about it because uh, you would have been um, I don't know what your feelings were when in the fifth round of the cup you, uh, you you were drawn to play at Anfield against your old club and first love Liverpool. Well, uh, uh, unbelievable because I left there in '81 and just to be drawn and actually going back there. I bought, I mean, I played I played there in in, in a league game and things. I, I always remember my first game against Liverpool down at the Goldstone. I was playing just wideish on the right, and then I got the ball as the game just started. And my first touch, and then I passed it inside to Kenny Dalglish. Uh, what am I doing? Yeah. You, know, you, you, you know that type of thing. But but to be drawn there in the FA Cup, and you know we were, as you say, the underdogs. We were bottom of the league or around about that area, and it was a massive game. Um, it was just um, the way the scoring went. Well, well, actually, before you do, let me just tell just to, just to give people an idea of just what a, what a, what the result this turned out to be for Brighton. <laughs> Forgive me, Gordon. I'm, I'm not ignoring you. I know, I know that uh, <laughs> you didn't play that day. You can tell me. Did you watch the game? Actually, were you at Anfield no, to see the game? No, no I right. was. I was injured and right. I, I wasn't there. Well, let me just uh, let me just tell you that uh, if you think about it like this way, at this stage you'd gone rock bottom of the table, Brighton. Yeah. Liverpool were the current champions of England. They were leading. Um, they hadn't lost a cup tie at home since 1969. I mean, everything that could possibly be packed against Brighton was there. Was there, yeah. Jimmy, remind us how the game went. J- J- yeah. Jerry Ryan got a first-half goal. Yeah, I mean, the, the game was bizarre, really, because obviously we took the lead. And then um, as you go through the game, you're under tremendous pressure from Liverpool. And as you said before, that like myself and Tony Grealish was in the centre or the heart of the midfield. And, and Liverpool, on that particular day, they had the soonest and the Dalglish in midfield and what it was with us we had a little thing going with me and Tony that like what happens is if you if you go man for man next minute they will mess you about they would take you over one side of the pitch both of you if you stuck man to man and then somebody else would come through the middle of fullback so what we were doing as they swapped over in middle of the park me and Tony would go so far and then we'd bounce off each other and then go out the same way so we, we never really got messed up that much even though there was uh, we, well at Liverpool I know what it's like uh, you know the, the unrelentless pressure that gets put on you and they, they got the equaliser bit of a scrambled goal um, and Craig it, Johnson yeah it was, a, it was a test for us after that you know to stem the tide and then it come towards the end of the, the game and we popped up with a winner. What kind of a winning goal was it? Can you remember, Jimmy? Um, vaguely. 
score. <laughs> no, what it was, it was just like, well, you, like midfield players with a little bit of a shot, like myself, they're like always lurking on the edge of the penalty, hoping in some vein of, of chance that you, you know, the ball will drop, and it, it, it just come out to me on the edge of the area, and, and I just unleashed one. And like a lot of people ask me, you know, if I was talking to a Brighton fan, it went in the top corner, nobody seen it. If I was talking to a Liverpool fan, I would say, well, it come off Ronnie Whelan's shoulder. So it was really a Ronnie Whelan own goal. But it, it's one of those things. It just looped over Bruce Grobbler. I, I, I know you'll remember it, Jimmy, but the, <laughs> the big talking point after the game was, and we might be talking about misses in the FA Cup uh, yeah. during this programme. Uh, Ian Rush that day oh, yeah. Yeah. missed an open goal uh, when it was 2-1. And, and and furthermore, furthermore, and a sign that you cannot reach the FA Cup final without things happening for you. Oh yeah. A uh, Liverpool also missed a penalty when it was two-one. That's right. Um, to you, one of the great penalty takers <clears throat> in the history of English football, Phil Neal. Nearly. And yeah. I mean, and we, he won't get mentioned because he didn't play in the final. But it's worth saying it was saved by the fantastically named Perry Digweed yeah. in the Brighton goal. Yeah. Yep. Well, the Perry was a, a debutant goal. Well, Mose was the one, you know. But but again, you know, when called upon, Perry was there. But again, Phil Neal, I, I see him quite regular. I always yeah. thank him very much yeah, for, you should. for missing that. <laughs> but what, what it was, scoring the goal, I remember coming off the pitch, you know, and we've actually won. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what have I done here? You know, we scored the winner. So as I come off the pitch, I got interviewed by um, you know, a, a TV uh, you know, presenter and where, where he just asked me, you know, straight out the blue, I'd just come off the pitch, my mind is, sure. even the cop was still shouting my name, Jimmy, 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 Case. And what it was, he said, uh, well, what does it feel like scoring the winning goal? And do you realise uh, it's the last season, Bob Paisley's chance of winning the FA Cup, the only trophy he's never won? Thanks a lot for that How question. Nice. And I, yeah. said, I, I just said to him, I didn't How know nice what is to, that? I just said, like, well, I haven't won it. <laughs> 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 I walked off. Well, it was an amazing victory and uh, takes uh, Brighton into the quarterfinals. Meanwhile, at the baseball ground in Derby, Manchester United, um, again, not conceding a goal, uh, Arthur, uh, make their way along quite nicely. Thank you very much for the 1-0 victory uh, in Derby. Yeah, and that was at the, the old baseball ground and that would have been sort of February, March time. Pitch oh, my God. Was, pitch was awful. Uh, right mud bath. Uh, I think Alan Muren crossed it and Norman swept it in with his left foot probably midway through the second half but I always felt in that game that we were we were comfortable uh, minimum we were going to get a, a replay out of it but if somebody gets us a goal I think we'll get a result here and uh, that proved to be the case Archie Gemmell had gone back uh, to Derby after his Knott's Forest days I remember him playing in that game but certainly um, it was, a, it was a, a comfortable if you can get a comfortable 1-0 win I guess the difference between the sides Arthur is that um, Brighton are making progress and as, as Gordon pointed out earlier on they're just not used to that whereas for Manchester United until you're getting into the latter stage I don't want to say you're blasé about it because you still have to win the football matches hmm. but you're used to getting into the latter stage of these tournaments aren't you well the lads will tell you sometimes you've got to know how to win games even if you're not playing well just keep digging away and as I say that derby game uh, could have been a bit tricky but I always felt we're comfortable in it but certainly um, once you get sort of further on and after that you're in the sixth round I think that season we got to the uh, the milk cup final and lost it to to Liverpool at Wembley an extra time so we'd been to another cup final and, and lost it and we wanted to obviously rectify that and get back there for the supporters well, listen, that, uh, that takes us through to the quarterfinals, and I'm sorry I'm skipping through to these again, but uh, memorable game again. Uh, thank you, Arthur. Memorable game again for Brighton in the quarterfinals when uh, um, you draw Norwich City at the Goldstone. Norwich also struggling at the bottom of the old first division. Um, 
And again, I, I, I can only say we're very lucky to have Jimmy Case in the studio because for a person who wasn't an out and out, who was by no means an out and out forward, um, you scored a winner again, Jimmy. Yeah, no, uh, well, then, well always, obviously something strange is going on now in English football. You're just scoring winner after winner. Well, uh-huh. it, it 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 was bizarre, you know, to to carry on. But you you do think about it when you when you're going into the next game that you've done well in other games, and you think this is, might be where you say your season in the sense of of getting on the score sheet. I was more of a supporting role or playmaker type thing rather than. But this on this occasion, I remember it, you know, as if it was only yesterday that you know the ball was played through the middle and I was the one that was making roads through that way because I think Michael Rodden had gone wide or uh, there, there was a big gap in the middle so I thought I'll just go for it and then the ball was pumped over the top and, and it was a, a little bit of a shoulder to shoulder with the centre back um, so obviously I come off better with that yeah. and then just went on so and then just slotted it to the right of the keeper and, uh, well, to my left just inside the post and went winging round and celebrating. I was looking to see if there was a foul uh, given on, but I, you know, the referee waved play on. But I always remember the, the manager of Norwich, Mr. Brown, and he he was up in arms on, on match of the day. <laughs> so that's yeah. nothing new then. Oh, no, but like, it, it's what well, you take your chance. If it happens well, against you, it, it happens a, against you so many times, but it just happened to, I just was stronger on the ball. It was well, a very good finish from Jimmy, I have to say that, Danny. And, and it was a, a great win for us, but I can remember that day I was on the bench that day and and we were very nervous about that game and I think it was because of, of a couple of factors one was it was obviously a home game which is it puts you under slightly bit more pressure but it was also the furthest that the club had ever been and having knocked Absolutely. out having yeah. knocked out Newcastle Man City Liverpool there's a pressure on you to think what is this is this going to be our year can we have a cup run where's it all so, going to end exactly well, <laughs> so I, I remember I remember the players being particularly nervous that day yeah. well listen the goal Jimmy Case got is as you say the goal that takes Brighton to the Hobel been to the FA Cup fi- semi-final for the very first time. Hugely disputed because the linesman had actually given the foul. Meanwhile, back at Old Trafford in the quarter-finals, uh, Manchester United, Arthur Alberston, um, taking on Everton in, in what a game that was fantastically tight, as, as, as people tell me. Oh, we were awful that day. Uh, Everton had about eight, ten thousand fans with them. They fully deserved to at least get a draw and take us back to Goodison, if not win the game. But we we struggled, uh, and particularly myself. I was up against a Scots lad called Alan Irvine, and I, I, I think Alan would agree with me. He wasn't the most sort of eloquent, dribbling type of wingers, but he had a knack of just sort of knocking it and getting past you. Good athlete, and I thought, God Almighty, he seems to be going past me every time here. And Sharpie, I think, in fairness, missed a few chances for them. What I remember, Gary Bailey had a few saves to keep us in it, but um, right at the death, um, Ron uh, made a substitution in those days, only one sub. Lou McCarry was a sub, obviously one of the most experienced players uh, at the club. He threw him on, I think, for Mickey Duxbury. And when the ball came into the box at the Stratford end, some people might have tried to back flick it with a header or, or try to score, but Lou actually chested it into Frank Stapleton's path and Frank volleyed it in. And that, when that goal went in, it was it was like an explosion, like a bomb going off. Really. Well, Arthur, you know that game, you, you say it was late in the game. I can tell you, isn't it? It was over 92 minutes of play. You know what, Arthur? You yeah. may have been having a difficult time with Arthur uh, with with, um, with Alan Irving, hmm. um, but at least you were involved in the winning goal there. 
Well, as I said, I remember a ball into the box and Lou could have backheaded it or tried to score himself, but he chested it to Frank and as soon as Frank hit it, it was in. And I think the noise, because I think our fans knew we were a bit lucky to get off the hook, that made it even more uh, a goal to celebrate. And speaking during the game to the Everton lads, they were all saying, oh, you won't fancy coming back to Goodison and we'll beat you over there and all this sort of thing. And the, their team was just emerging with Reedy and... Uh, the one that went on Sheedy. to win the title, of course. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Sharpie, Sharpie in the side, Kevin Radcliffe at the back. Obviously, Neville Southall in goals. Once you got past the defence, you still had to beat him. So, I think if we'd have went to Goodison, we'd have had our hands full. But in the cup, you, you get one chance, and, uh, and Frank got that all important goal in the 92nd minute. And it seems to be, I, I, don't, I don't wish to uh, make stereotypes, but Manchester United teams, even then, apparently went right to the end. <laughs> Guys, it's fair to say that once you get to the semi final of the FA Cup, I know whenever the, the football's interviewed, say, oh, well, we'll take whatever we get out of the hat, but that's not true. You want to you want a draw that gives you a chance to get through. So, I guess uh, Gordon and Jimmy, uh, drawing sec- second division Sheffield Wednesday was going to be as good as it got then, uh, Gordon, yeah? Yes, it, it was... It gave Tell us the a, truth, shame the devil, yeah. yeah. It gave us a real chance, although they were a good side. I mean, they had good players playing, but they, we're in a situation there, we had a great run, we're in the semi-final and, you know, we're, we're playing and we're confident at that stage we felt we could go through. We, we This was it. <laughs> now, it probably would have been the biggest disappointment, I think, of my career. I mean, I played... I played in six finals in Scotland and, and the, I have to say I didn't win them all but I won four of them but I, if I'd lost that semi-final that yeah. day I think I would have been absolutely sick because one thing I, and, and you mentioned it earlier on Danny about the about going to Wembley what a huge occasion it is what a fantastic game and as as a player playing in England at that time that's what you wanted to do and that's why the semi-final was all about is getting through and Arthur you got the tough end of the draw Manchester United when you drew Arsenal though mm. it's fair to say this was an Arsenal team who <coughs> were not yet on the course that led them to be so good just a few years later under George Graham no but still still a, a, a force to be reckoned with uh, David O'Leary at the back uh, Tony Woodcock up front uh, but during that season we'd knocked them out uh, over two legs in the uh, in the Milk Cup as I, as I sort of spoke about before yeah. and we're actually 4-0 mm. up away in the first leg down at Highbury we came off with a 4-2 win and we all started arguing with each other because we, we felt we should have sort of scored more if you like but certainly we'd, we'd already knocked them out another semi-final and I think we were going into the game quite confident um, that we could turn them over again and, and that proved to be the case Well, well in, 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 before I get accused of being uh, having an anti-Manchester United bias and believe me I have been accused mm. of it in the past um, let's take the first semi-final at Villa uh, Villa Park mm. where Manchester United as you they took on Arsenal uh, 2-1 was the final score and what do you remember about the game Arthur? Oh, I, I used to love playing at Villa Park fantastic atmosphere and um, on, on this day we had uh, the tunnel where you come out we had all that end and we had half the, the whole end as well up the other end so but Arsenal took the lead uh, I think just coming up to half time soft goal a little bit of a mix up I think between myself and, and Gary Bailey and goals a ball I think it was maybe drifting out of play Tony Woodcock chased it kept it in and to be fair to Tony I don't think he hit the shot right at all it barely hit the back of the net it was just a, a sort of stupid goal to concede so we went in um, one down at half time but we came out the second half and um, I think Ron must have had a few words was obviously we came out chomping at the bit and Brian Robson scored a fantastic goal after three or four minutes um, it was uh, probably overlooked as much of the importance because Norman scored the winner later on but mm-hmm. Brian's, Brian's goal was a great goal he chested the ball past uh, Talbot I think it was and hit it past George Wood from an acute angle so that obviously got us right back in it and then later on Norman um, Norman scored a volley let the ball drop over his shoulder and volleyed it into the same corner uh, but Kevin, Mor- Kevin Moran actually gone off for stitches in that game I can't remember what the score was Hang on, that, he did that in every game didn't he? Uh, he probably did you're right yeah he's got he's got a forehead like the M6 <laughs> but um, he, he got carried 
carried off on a stretcher and, he, and obviously he's getting carried off and they're going to have to sort of try and bandage him up and as he was getting carried off in front of our fans he, he put sort of fist pumped to supporters with blood streaming down his face and I think that even uh, sort of G'd the crowd up even more for us but the second half I think we, we deserved that on the, on the performance probably I think that, that 45 minutes was the best we played uh, in, in that cup that season Let me ask you because um, you, you mentioned him a few times there um, about Norman Whiteside because he's, he's I mean when you look at the back at the films of the final um, he is a very large man but he's a, he's only a teenager at this stage isn't he what, what effect was he having on Manchester United team at that time Arthur well, he came into the side, uh, and Norman, sort of, obviously, as you say, a big physical lad, sort of looked like similar makeup to Rooney, if you like. He, I think Norman was shaving when he was about eight years old. Um, big physical lad, uh, confident lad as well. Came into the side, went to the World Cup, obviously, uh, the That's year before. Seventeen year old, yeah. Exactly, in nineteen eighty-two, and he, funny enough, I think he made his debut down at Brighton, uh, the Goldstone Ground, uh, in eighty-two. But anyway, uh, Norman scored uh, in that Milk Cup final I spoke about when he turned Alan Hansen. He scored important goals for us uh, and, he, and he was like a guy you'd think was 27, 28 year old the way he was playing and the way he conducted himself but he got the winner as I say he didn't panic he let the ball sort of just drop nicely for him volleyed it into the corner but Norman was uh, played played a huge part in the success of that season and, and the forthcoming seasons uh, that we had OK well thank you very much indeed for that and let's talk about the other semi-final and I say it, several unusual things but it took place in North London at Highbury when uh, the, the Brighton Hove Albion team took on Sheffield Wednesday Sheffield Wednesday team as as you rightly say you had some very good players in it let me just remind you people Mel Sterland Mike Lyons Gary Megson Gary Bannister Peter Shirtliff um, were, were all in and around that Sheffield Wednesday team um, one or two uh, unusual things I think Brighton played in all yellow yeah. um, and, uh, and and Gordon I think you started up front yeah, that's right, Danny. It was my first game. I'd been asked to play there. We had we had sold Andy Ritchie uh, in the transfer windows. It was that time in March, which meant that they brought in Terry Connor, who was actually from Leeds United, who was cup tied. So we we were a striker short, and I'd always been a midfield player up to that point. And and Jimmy Mulia said, "I'm going to play you up front. Are you okay with that?" And I said, "Yeah, definitely. I, I want to play anyway." So that was my first game then uh, playing as a striker, and, and and I really enjoyed it in that match, especially getting the result. And I was involved in the the second goal too which w- was good to be part of so it was uh, it was great and the atmosphere at Highbury that day was was amazing too it was absolutely you know electric yeah it, 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 I, I, I remember seeing it and another and we won't go into it doesn't matter now um, FA Cup semi-final at Highbury and the atmosphere was um, pretty pretty extraordinary because the very tight ground wasn't the old the old Arsenal yeah. ground um, you played up front as you say but uh, the first goal was not scored by a forward but by a midfield player it's described in my notes here as another typical Thunderbolt, Jimmy Case. <laughs> well, they, well, let me just say the the semi-finals are always <clears throat> the, the hardest games for me to play in. You know, you, you you can be right up there when you get through to go to the final, or you you lost and you you're there and not to be seen again. But I, like for me, that, that, that hold on, hold on. But you'd played in a Liverpool side that won <clears throat> the league, had won European cups and all the rest of it. You can't. Are you telling me that you were nervous about losing a single football match? Yeah, but it, it, it's so so different, you know, with with a, another side um, at a different level, as you say, you know, with, with different players. Uh, with Liverpool, as you said to Arthur a little bit earlier on, you, you, you do you, not expect, but you, you you do think you've got a good chance with the squad of players, what you've got, the players around you, good players to get towards the semi-final or even the final. I mean, the Man United team at that time as well, they would be expected to to not lose too many. Games and uh, and I was the same with Liverpool. But when you 
with it, it's so much of a joy uh, <laughs> when you do progress like that and you get towards and obviously the semi-final it's a do or die situation because it's uh, it can be awful walking off that pitch and not having got there but as you say about the goal it was like a, a free kick from oh, God knows how far out but I wasn't good I looked at it first of all I just stepped back oh that's a bit too far that but then Tony Grealish, he sort of like kneeled down by the ball as if he was sort of like half tying his shoelace. Right. And then he just <laughs> rolled it to one side, right in front of me. And I went, ooh, I took a step back and come onto it. And I just unleashed it. And then that's what it, And I watched it right the way through. I've seen it on, on YouTube or whatever before. Well, not recently, but just a little while ago. And it, it just started rising and rising all the time. It just hit the underside of the bar, hit the, the floor, and hit the roof of the net. And but the keeper doesn't. You mean the keeper didn't even dive? It was such a good strike. Well, the funny thing I is, I don't think they were expecting it either. I know, you know. The funny thing is, I think uh, Jack Charlton was saying, like, if he gets on the ball, he's going to shoot from distance. So they were warned because yeah. the reason for that, because years later when they finished playing and and you do this the uh, the charity matches. There was a fellow who, who plays in the charity matches when, when Bruce Grobelard isn't available. Right. Is that Bob Boulder? Yeah, Bob Boulder, mm. yeah. And, like, guess who was in goal on that day? Bob, Bob Boulder. Boulder. And I shared a room with him when we play abroad <laughs> and things like that. And I said, um, you're still diving for that one, yeah, Bob, you know? He didn't, <laughs> even, he didn't even bother. No. They equalised after 55 minutes and Mirosevic, Anti Mirosevic got the goal. And after 75 minutes, the two of you, Jimmy Case uh, and Gordon Smith, combined to put Michael Robinson through. He scores the winning goal. You're listening uh, to an FA Cup special edition of My Sporting Life. Um, let's talk about uh, the build-up to the final. And I uh, hope, Arthur, you won't mind if I start with the Brighton lads because it was in the weeks running up to that final. Of course, you were actually relegated. I mean, let's talk about about that, Gordon. I mean, uh, you know, you've been at the bottom all season, but there still comes a time where it, where it becomes a bald fact. You're relegated out of the top level of English football. Nobody noticed I'm telling you. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Jimmy, would, Jimmy will tell you that. It was unbelievable. I mean, the whole build-up, once we got to the final, <coughs> everything was about the cup final. Now, we had matches to play, and as I said before, it was definitely relegation uh, football because we were actually not playing badly at all. We just were not getting the breaks in the league games, and we weren't getting the points, and we got relegated. But I'm telling you this, it was hardly noticed by the fans. We, I mean, we were living among the fans, remember? We were in Hove and Brighton and all the fans down there, and we weren't getting it thrown in our faces being relegated at all. Everyone only spoke about the cup final. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Gordon. Because like you know, you go out in the in the town, you go for for lunch, you know, down at one of the Italian restaurants, and they're chatting about. And it's not about next week's league game. It's who no. play, playing in you know in the FA Cup, you know, whether it be the quarters or the semi <coughs> the semi final, but obviously the final. And uh, yeah. all talk, every everything about the whole thing was a. And it, obviously, like if if you're not involved in the final. It's it's doom and gloom. It's yes. it's, it's exactly doom and gloom. So th- that be. that that shielded us away from that. To be honest, but um, again, it wasn't a nice feeling. Never is a nice feeling. No. And um, well, you know, do, I mean, we're really having to come to senses. We're all saying it'll be next season before we've suddenly noticed when the fixtures come out. Yeah, absolutely. But until that moment, Danny, no one was talking about it. And because Jimmy would tell you this, with the whole thing, the excitement thing started. We we, we recorded our song yeah. for the cup final. We were going, we were going round the, we were actually going round the uh, top of the pops. And uh, 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 Jimmy, Jimmy and I were on top of the pops. Now this, this, now this, this, make, this brings me to another issue. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if uh, you're an outsider to all this, Arthur. Gordon, I mean, you recorded a record and. Uh, um, I don't know if Jimmy has any claim to being a singer, but you yourself have been known to sing and play the guitar, am I right? 
<laughs> That's right, Danny. Yeah, I oh. told you that. How do you know that? Ah, I see. Because uh, uh-huh. do you know what? Do you know what, Gordon? Um, a, a long, long time ago, when I was, I mean, of course, you had a chance to break through here as a musician. When I was editor, no less of the New Musical Express. Um, <laughs> a, a yes, indeed. Um, a friend of mine who was a supporter of Manchester City. We were driving to a game together, football match. He said, "Listen to this," and he put a cassette in. That was how long ago it was. Put a cassette into the front of his car. Eight. And there was a kind of folk rock styling. He said, "Guess who that is." And he said, that's Gordon Smith. I don't know how he got hold of it, Gordon, but, I know. It, was, but it was you. That's amazing. That Do you still play? Yeah, I still play and, and, and try to sing as well. But, you know, the amazing thing was we actually, this is a, a factor we can we can follow up on because we actually had done a, a, a follow-up single. If we won the cup, we were going to bring out another one, and I was actually the main singer on I it. Bet. So the Goldstone so rap. It wasn't my football career to get, get ruined by the cup final result. I remember you getting on the piano so much, you know, like He's talented, you know, yeah. When we, when we, yeah, when we were celebrating, that was the the time when I I had an adjustment on, on my hearing aids, and I used to tear them down a little bit. <laughs> Arthur, listen, it's all very well these these fellas talking about um, about getting relegated and not noticing. United um, finished third that year uh, in the running. As you came up towards the final, is there a danger you could? Un- over, uh, underestimate a team who are, who have finished bottom of the league. I think that's exactly the case that can happen. Um, as the lads have just mentioned, you get caught up in all the hype, like getting measured up for suits and getting kitted out with shorts, ties, everything, and all all the sort of thing. You 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 know. I remember at the time about a month before the game, three weeks before, I got injured actually, and against Watford at home, and it was a pitch that done it. I came well for a head. I came down and jarred my sort of hip, and it was a strange injury to get. But I was out for a couple of weeks, and we lost a, a couple of league games leading up to the uh, the Brighton game. Spurs away, which we usually did all right down there, and away at Notts County, who might have been relegated that season lost 3-2 there and I know Ron was watching Brighton that day I think that was the last league game of the season he'd been down to watch Brighton Mick Brown was in charge and I think we're 2-0 up and lost 3-2 so we weren't going into the game in the greatest of form but it is easy to get caught up in the hype of things because um, I'd seen what happened seven years prior to that we played Southampton uh, I was in the squad but obviously not playing but they had a team very similar to Brighton's guys with experience uh, we've already touched on obviously Gordon played in, with Rangers with expectations mm-hmm. are huge he's played in front of 100,000 he's been all over Europe winning uh, league titles European Cups with Liverpool he's got experience Michael Robinson big transfer to Man City he's been at big clubs Tony Grealish uh, at Republic of Ireland and Astros. so they, they had a, they had the nucleus of an experienced side who wouldn't be faced by the occasion very very similar to uh, the Southampton team uh, that had Shannon and Rodriguez and Jim McCallog in 76 when we got turned over so um, although we went in on poor form we were under no illusions this was going to be difficult because all the expectations were on us to win let's talk then a little bit before we get to the early stages of that final um, when we asked on Twitter uh, for people for their, their memories of this final the recurring recurring thing is people and these are many of them uh, are, are neutrals um, but I'll just give you one here because Tonsil happens to be top of the list he says do I remember Brighton went to Wembley in a helicopter what happened there <laughs> <laughs> we certainly yeah. did. Goodness well, knows co- why. Co- coach is traditional, isn't it? <laughs> well, it was, but for some reason. But you know, I'll tell you, Jimmy. Probably, you know, the story is amazing. But I, I, when I was a chief executive of the SFA, I went down to my first meeting to meet the chief executive of the the FA, Brian Barwick. Mm-hmm. And Brian Barwick says to me, "I've met you before, Gordon." I said, "When was that? I don't remember." He said, "I was a producer for ITV. I was on the helicopter with you wow. to Wembley." 
<laughs> yeah, I met Brian. He's been at Anfield quite a lot. Yeah, recently, he was, on, he was on the helicopter, Jimmy. Yeah, told, did he tell you that as well? Yeah, yeah. I've, met, I've met him recently as well. But but with the helicopter, we were sponsored by Caledonian, weren't we? That's we, right. And that's what it was. And, British Caledonian. And I think the helicopter usually used to transport the, the lads to the rigs on the North yeah. Sea, and <laughs> it just got diverted and picked us up in Hove <laughs> and dropped <laughs> us off in North London. So, yeah. but it, I mean, it, it is there is something about that though. Was that was everyone happy with that? Because that can be quite a frightening experience if you're not be used to travelling on a helicopter yeah that, well the thing was hardly MD had ever done it so we did, nobody really realised Danny how, how frightening it was going to be so for some reason they never thought well, the, this the, might scare the, a few players or whatever I don't the, know the funniest thing with me as well is that like that when the when I was a youngster, around about eight years of age, somebody, you know, you always get asked the question, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, all this stuff. And I said, well, I want to play for Liverpool Football Club. I want to fly in a helicopter. I want to go to Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to Hong no, Kong no. yet, so I'm not to go there. That's the only thing. Yeah. Well, listen, the, 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 the final itself was uh, uh, greeted with great anticipation. People, of course, made Manchester United favourites, particularly after your centre-half, um, Steve Foster, was suspended yeah. um, for this first game. Um, and the game started off, uh, you know, back and forth. I think Brighton probably had the better of it in the first ha- half. And then... Um, and Gordon Smith might want to open his ears very wide just now. Gordon, you've already played uh, for uh, Rangers in one losing cup final, but uh, there is something for young British players, and I hope it still exists um, today. You want to play in a Wembley Cup final and you want to score a goal, and you've done it. Well, absolutely. Most of your listeners will be shocked now to know that I'm actually uh, scored in that game. Uh, you know what? I was going to say that was my next question I've got written down here. Because you didn't score in, in extra time, as we'll get on to, people forget you actually did open the scoring. They, they totally forget it. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's like you've never scored a goal in your life, isn't it, Gordon? Exactly. I mean, the people I speak to, uh, you know, most of the time, I've, I've actually had people say to me, oh, you know, you missed the final. And I go, yeah, you missed that chance. I say, wouldn't you have loved to have scored in an FA Cup? final <laughs> and I say yeah I would have actually and I did you know and they go what do you mean you did and, and, and honestly most people are shocked it was a, it was a great cross and I always mm. remember it was one of those ones that I peeled off of uh, Kevin Moran was marking me and, and it was one of those ones that I, I had to be aware that he might just miss it if he just it just went over his head no more and I was ready because a lot of the times I see it I've probably in times done it myself players do it you get a shock when the player misses the ball and you're not ready for it but you have was, to react quicker yeah, don't yeah, you exactly mm-hmm. Jimmy but I was I was I was hoping it was almost like as a cross coming around saying please miss this please miss this and then I got the chance to get the header in and fortunately for me it went in and put his 1-0 up where, good, where were you Arthur? Uh, I'm actually glad that uh, I thought it was Smiley that crossed the ball. So it no, was the other side. Oh. It was the other side. Yeah, uh, no, I was, right, was well, on my no, side of the pitch. Gary Howlett. Yeah, Gary Howlett. Howlett crossed the, the ball. Yeah, youngster. I was yeah. up against Smiley. Uh, obviously, I thought I always thought he crossed the ball, but he's rolled it to Gary Howlett who's crossed yes. it, and I, and I was like dangling behind it. And uh, as the lads have said, it was a great ball in, and it was just beat the two centre halves. But Gordon's doing himself a disservice here. This, that was a goal before he headed it for me because the ground was that wet. If you just get head that back across the goalkeeper, it's got a chance of going in. And Gordon didn't have to break stride. And uh, we had a great header of the ball up front, Frank Stapleton, and it was a similar header to Frank uh, would have probably done as well. Just placed it in the corner and it was in as soon as it left his head. Arthur, can you remember the half-time team talk or anything like that uh, from that final? 
I can't, to be fair, but no. uh, Ron was more... Ron wasn't a sort of ranter and raver type of uh, manager. He was more calm, collected, and just said what had to be said and very, very rarely shout, shouted at the players. Um, and I think he probably thought, if we can get a goal to get back in this, um, you know, the momentum could be with us then. So it wasn't a case of, like, throwing teacups and up the goat people and saying, where were you for marking and all that. It was just a case of be All I remember, it was, it was quite calm, actually. Uh, and everybody just saying, look, we've got 45 minutes... We've not played well at all here. Let's get our finger out. Well, actually, uh, the, the, the second half starts and um, Norman Whiteside becomes central to the action. He scores a goal, um, which is disallowed um, uh, because of, of, of a handball. And then I want to take you back to a tackle that he made on Chris Ramsey, your young right back, um, which uh, injures Ramsey. Mm. And I think it's instrumental in the equaliser. But also, and I'm looking at you, Jimmy Case, um, with your mm. reputation. Yeah. Um, the tackle by Norman in the modern game, a yellow card at least, and he'd probably been sent off. Um, it, it was one of those ones. I, you know, it'd be a bit raw for me to say that it was a bad one because I've been involved in a lot of, you know, controversy in my career. It did hurt him, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it was a nasty-ish one. I say ish, but um, Chris was a tough lad. But like you know, he couldn't basically. He, he'd take all sorts of knocks, Chris Ramsey. But but again, this one was just uh, probably a bit near the knuckle, and uh, he had to go off in the end. Well, it means that uh, before he goes off, he's hobbling about. <coughs> when uh, United launched a move down the right and left, uh, Alan Davis, who we'll talk about more, and Mike yeah. Duxbury combined, which led to Duxbury's uh, right wing cross being flicked on by Whiteside, ironically, for Frank Stapleton uh, to score. Frank became, I think, the first player to score for different clubs um, in different cup finals, Arsenal and Manchester United. I guess if you're if you're the favourites and you come back from behind, you must think, well, we're going to go on and win this now. Yeah, as I just explained, if you can come out the second half and get a goal back, uh, obviously the earlier the better, you'd feel as if the momentum's with you and that's exactly what happened. Mickey got maybe a little bit lucky, I think the last ball he put in, it came off one of the Brighton players and went right back into his path, then he's crossed it in, uh, Norman gets a touch on and Frank scores at the far post, so we're back in the game, it's one all, and as I mentioned before, the pitch, I think it had been raining for a couple of days, very heavy, so obviously that was going to take a toll on the players later on, but certainly it got us back in the game and that was the main thing. Yeah, and having got that further, the equaliser, Arthur, um, as you say, there's a chance that you can spring forward and get another goal. And it does come a little later on in the game um, from not an unlikely source in Ray Wilkins, but he wasn't a person who got uh, 30, although at Chelsea he had one great goal scoring mm. season, but he'd become more of a midfield passer at Manchester United. Describe the goal that puts United 2 1 up. Well, uh- I'm not going to take any credit for this, but I think I passed the ball about 10 yards to Arnold Muren to set it off. Uh, but Arnie had a great... Uh, That's a great plan, though. <laughs> Passing the ball to Muren is often a good plan, isn't it? It's, it's an easy thing to do. Just let him get on with it. But he, he hit a cross-field ball from sort of left half to inside right for Ray. And I actually continued running for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but anyway, I continued running, and I've watched Ray control this ball, and he gets it back inside onto his left foot. And we're talking about people scoring from outside the box, like Jimmy uh, You know, did that all day long. Uh, Jimmy went for power and beat keepers like that Ray's more of a he didn't have the power but he could drop a ball in a six and when he's cut inside in his left foot I thought uh, he's got a chance of scoring here and he's going to curl us with his left foot but it could hit the post uh, and I'm going to just follow this up because I had Roy the Rovers in my head diving header you know could be the winning goal but uh, he curled it Ray and as soon as he hit it I thought that is possibly going to hit the post and it just curled inside and then Ray went off on his run towards the tunnel about another 60 yards and I thought no forget that Ray I've just, I've just run 60 yards to try and help you I'm not, I'm not doing another 60 so Ray got what we thought would be uh, the winning goal uh, but it proved not to be it was the best goal of the, the 
of the that two, was matches. Goal, Gordon, two yeah. matches. I thought that yeah. was the best goal because there's, there's no question of it. It was it was unexpected for us mm. that, that Ray Wilkins from there was going to shoot. I think I don't not sure whether even uh, Graham Mosley, our goalkeeper, was caught out a little bit by it. But it was a fantastic strike. I mean, it was perfect. It just just passed almost it passed into the yes. sort of near uh, the far post rather. And yeah. as I say, people outside the box keepers expect like Jimmy goes for power and he, he scores so many goals like that. But Ray's a passing type of player and he's just sort of passed that. And as I say, when I ran in, I thought this, this might just come off the post here, but um, thankfully it went in. I mean, that leaves. I'm going to talk to the, the Brighton lads now. No professional footballer thinks the game is done and dusted. But uh, no. uh, what are, what are, what's going through your mind, Jimmy? Well, uh, do you, do you, can, can you actually think straight when you're two one down the cup final? The minutes are ticking away. Is it does it become just sort of? Uh, like a, a sort of animal reaction to things or well, can you still think there's a lot of stuff that goes on in your mind right the way through the game and various parts of the game moods of the game if you like what Arthur said if you if you could get a goal back just after the half time being 1-0 down and I always thought we scored too early I mean as a team you can score too early you know United are going to come on you know they're going to come at you at half time we would speak about that they would change the game they would be a bit more intense about everything so we've got to keep our minds clear and, and get on with the job and, and when they go you know as I say 2-1 up you're thinking to yourself it's going to be a long uh, <laughs> last part of the game so but you, you endeavour and you, as an older player on that particular day you look at Gary, Gary Howlett you know and, and some of the lads and G them up and try to keep the mind focused and as if you say set Basically saying we can still do this. Come on, let, let, you know we've got to keep together, or, I, I or you will flounder. Jimmy, uh, I remember us doing that. The, yeah. the kickoff. I remember you speaking and saying to the boys, "Come on!" And, and you and myself, the experienced guys like Tony Grealish, we were yeah. all saying, "Listen, we're not out of this yet. Come on!" Yeah. Because we realise how good Manchester United were. I mean, the, the worst thing about it is, if, you know, if they, a team like that gets in front of you, it becomes very difficult. But we did have a, we did have the fighting spirit in yeah. the team, and we and we did keep going. Well, you kept going, and of course, the, I say that t- that t- clock did tick down and down and down. So we got to the 87th minute. Now, Gary Stevens was still a pretty young player at those days. He'd yeah. be, been forced to come in and play centre half by Steve by Steve Foster's suspension. And my recollection, he's had a pretty good game against one of the best centre forwards in English football at the time, in Frank Stapleton. And it's he, again, perhaps rather unexpectedly, who gets an equaliser. You know, the amazing thing, guys, is that we're 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 sitting here dissecting this thing move by move, goal by goal. You forget it's happening in front of. 98,000 people yeah. the noise you just heard in the, in the background and millions of us watching it on television I mean it was an amazingly good final I'm just talking about as a, as a neutral I don't know if that you can't think about that when you're there but there you have you, you have lot. your equalizer it's 2-2 in the FA Cup final the leader swung back and forth fantastic a lot, a lot of people have said to me over the years said, what a fantastic game it was and you know and, and obviously the events after even getting the equalizer but on that particular one where I took the corner you know I was looking across the with not much left in it and I was thinking we we weren't getting too much joy in the centre of the box so then I looked at Tony Paddy Grealish on the edge of the box I thought I might just clip it to him because what Tony normally does is just turn it round the corner and loop it to the back post or something like that which is more difficult to deal with than a straight corner so yes. that, that was in my mind but then obviously just side side footed it to, uh, to Gary and bang it was in the back of the net Arthur what did you remember of the goal the equaliser 
Well, as Jimmy just alluded to, Tony Grealish wasn't a sort of midfield player renowned for his goal scoring. So when when the corner got pulled back, we thought, oh, we've got plenty of bodies here, not a problem. But um, unfortunately for us, uh, it landed at uh, Gary Stevens' feet and, and he put it away from about six or seven yards. And this, the crazy thing is, when you get to 2-2, both teams were slugging out in the last few minutes, going for a winning goal, whereas you'd probably, I'm sure the managers were thinking, just stay back. And <laughs> but, but the last five minutes, everybody's trying to win it still. You know, well, as you said before, Arthur, the pitch was awful, wasn't it? It was it, it very was heavy. Like, it was the, probably the heaviest it had ever mm. been for a long, long time in years. And and uh, um, but but as you say, we we got on with it, and it was a case of end to end stuff from mm. then on in. I watched that. Uh, I watched the uh, the whole game back uh, yesterday in order to try and get a handle on what we'd been talking about today. Um, the first period of extra time, I can honestly say, unless one of you wants to put me right, absolutely nothing happened. It was like the, the, it'd been so breathless that that last, the second half of the, of the normal game, and maybe people just get a little bit. What's the word I'd use? Conservative. Is that right? Possibly that could be the good word because you know you, you've just got to the end of extra time, 90 minutes, and you're going to, into extra time, I should say, and it might be one of those things you're thinking, well, we don't want to be giving too much away because maybe, as Arthur was saying earlier on, both teams were still going for it all out, and maybe the managers have said, look, there's half an hour to go here, like you know, you you got to try and conserve a bit of energy. I mean, in those days, there was only one sub, and I think both subs were already on at that mm-hmm. point. And what, what about yeah. what about you, Jimmy? I mean, well, I, I I think it, it, just as you go into that period, you know, you're just being sort of like sort of like playing relentless end-to-end stuff, trying to win it, and then you you, you settle down with your, with your manager for a moment before you actually turn round or that, and and without even saying to each and every one of us on the pitch at that moment in time, you know, you you basically don't want to give anything away, you don't want to move or be too much adventurous, you know, but you, you're looking. In your mind, you're going to look to win the game, but you've got to make sure that you don't actually lose it in that period because there isn't much time to it, and we're all tired, and it affects the mind as well as well as your, obviously your legs. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you, you, the the game goes on, and but there is one incident actually in the second period of uh, of the extra time. United had the ball in the net again for the second time in the game. Norman Whiteside is ruled to have uh, handled the ball, so he's he's fouled Chris Ramsey. He's handled the ball twice. He still hasn't got a yellow card. The, the game has changed. The game has changed a little bit, hasn't it? Um, and then, uh, one, let's be fair. One of the most famous moments in the entire history of the greatest cup competition that God has ever put on the earth. I think. I think. Perhaps because the phrase and Smith must score has gone into um, history, we should hear that first while we discuss with the people involved exactly what happened. We're into the last few seconds of extra time of the FA Cup final. That's been round your neck for 30 years, Gordon. What are your recollections of the moment um, that you bore down on Gary Bailey in the Manchester United goal? Well, it was a fanzine that got called after that, that moment, the, the Brighton fanzine Absolutely, was called. Absolutely, still, and is. still is. Yes, <laughs> and I used to contribute to it. I did a lot of pieces for them. They were very nice about it, I must be honest with you. It was one of those ones where, uh, you know, Jimmy played the ball through to Mick Robinson, he went on, and uh, you know, I, I don't blame Robbo at all. The thing is, I'd played with Robbo for about three years and, and to get a pass from Robbo was a shock um, mm. because normally in those positions Robbo was was, was a, the kind of striker was that, a greedy one greedy is the right <laughs> word yes but he, he <laughs> normally, Robbo, Robbo would normally shoot but he didn't and he played it to me and uh, I took a touch and then decided I'm going to play it hard and low 
uh, thinking that, that, that Gary might come towards me and I would I would beat him because if you hadn't low close to the feet but it was a mistake and I, I take full responsibility for it I mean I know uh, you know Gary people, a lot of people don't give him credit for the save it is a great save at that stage of the game well, but I do what, feel I should have scored well I tell you what Gary, I mean I, I get I get ridiculed about scoring the winner not ridiculed but talked about you know asked a question when I scored against Liverpool and knocked them out and people always say what about that fella Smith what about this you know I, I get it but I don't know how you feel but I get it <laughs> well listen but I always I say get it I, every day Jimmy I, I, I always answer them with this little thing where uh, I tell you what now if I had to pick one player out of the players on the pitch if I had to pick one to be in that position and actually score the goal I would pick you well, listen. That, there, 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 there was, of course. So, when Gordon, when you're asked about this uh, every day of your life ever since, there was another person involved. I'm delighted to say that the Manchester United goalkeeper on the day uh, joins us from South Africa. Now on the line, it's Gary Bailey. Hello, Gary. Hey guys, nice to speak to you, Jimmy. Hi, Gary. Gordon. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Gary. Hi, well? Gary. Yeah, good, Fine, good. Thanks. Gary, okay. Gary, given that Gordon Smith says, and it's nearly 30 years, goodness, how the time has passed. Uh, that uh, he, that uh, he gets asked every day about this opportunity to win the cup. Does he? How often does it come up in your life? Uh, well, seventy-nine comes up more often, to be honest. I think fans remember the things you didn't do well as opposed to the oh, things dear. you did do well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe right there. But, um, yeah, yeah. Well, what, but, we, but, but going back to the thirty years, Gary, what do you remember about that moment mm. when when you stood between Brighton and the FA Cup? I just thought what any goalkeeper d- does, which is you, you know, you spread yourself as big as you can. Uh, critical that you keep an eye on the ball because it's, it actually deflected off my legs and spun around for a second. Unfortunately, I was watching where it went. But you know, the number of times I see strikers not able to score in a one-on-one, it's not an easy situation. It's not a definite goal. Uh, if you're watching English Prem every week, yes, fifty percent score, fifty percent done. In fact, maybe less than fifty percent score. So, and I actually said this to Gordon in a chat we had a, a few years back. He did miss he hit the target and this is where I've got to stand up for the goalkeepers union you know it was a save nobody says it was a save they all say Gordon Messi didn't he hit the target you know had he done a, a, a lean or Messi and, and flicked it over me yeah maybe he could have scored but those things happen quickly and you're busy controlling the ball and that's when a keeper comes at you very very quickly when your head's down controlling the ball so I think it's very unfair to label that on Gordon that it was a miss and if anything and I'll say that to Jimmy as well I thought Brighton were unbelievable on the day I thought they deserved massive amount of credit and you know four days later we, we sort of run them over a little bit but on that day uh, there wasn't one player in the Brighton team who didn't deserve huge credit I just wondered um, thank you Gary um, I just wondered Gordon uh, did, did you, you mean you talk very openly about it now and, and how the, uh, the miss uh, you took to take responsibility has it affected you? No, I think I was quite fortunate in respect of I was an experienced player when it happened, and I, you know, and without getting into detail, I scored a winning goal in a cup final in Scotland when I was playing up there. So I had I had a good experience already, but I also think that you know it, it affected me to the degree of I, I really wanted badly to do it, and I, and the Brighton people have been so nice and that's that's what's been difficult over the years my teammates were, were fantastic with me I never got any stick from them at all every one of them were, were very complimentary and helpful and the, the Brighton fans were also very good it just gets mentioned all the time every, every time somebody he talks about my name comes up and it's strangers will go oh you're the Gordon Smith that missed in the cup final that gets remembered so you, you have to deal with it Danny you know it's not easy to, to be remembered <laughs> just as Gary no, said there, you're, no. more, you're more liable to be remembered for something that you make a mistake Perhaps on some Rick you've made Absolutely. Exactly. So, but I have to deal with it, and I, and I have apologised 
to people and I genuinely apologise to say I, I, I don't I, think you need to apologise it's a sports uh, contest no, stuff I know happens that. no it's a, it's a major sports contest Brighton it was the big biggest moment of their history in terms of football club it was Arthur Alston um, I'm always fascinated when we have these intense discussions about one moment in a football match how the other people on the pitch see it were you close to the incident were you involved or were you on the other side of the pitch going oh my god they're going to win the cup I was on the other side of the pitch and actually out of position I saw it, saw it last season I think for the first time and I think Kevin uh, tried to nick a ball past somebody lost it in the middle of the park we were all over the place uh, Mickey Duxbridge was running forward he thought he was getting the ball I was pushing up on the other side which he shouldn't do I should have been closer to Gordon McQueen anyway we just heard Jimmy gets the ball to Robinson and and then and I was diagonally behind Gordon and I should have been 20-30 yards closer to him to at least try and affect to, to breathing down his neck if you like to put him off but I thought oh no here we go I was looking through my fingers and Gary's right he saved it that's what he's there for uh, it sort of hit his backside ricocheted off the turf and he, he gathered it with his legs but as Gary said if Gordon had ballooned it 30 yards over the bar or scuffed it wide of the, the near post uh, it's more of a miss then it's on target and that's what goalkeepers are there for to save the ball uh, so Gary done a he, he's right he got a little bit of criticism four years prior to that against Arsenal but he saved us big time because we wouldn't have had enough time to kick off the game would have been over and Gary Bailey if I might leave um, the latter word on this part of, of the programme uh, to you um, the, the fact of the matter is you, you made a great save but Brighton then it goes to a replay Brighton had still another 90 minutes in the replay to win it if they were going to win it but I guess it comes so close it had been such a cliffhanger that if your save you know while well, not giving Gordon grief about it your save must have given United a psychological edge going into the replay yeah, it probably did. And I think Brian Robson said as much after the game uh, in his book. He sort of mentioned that they all believe, I think we all believe, OK, this time they'll do it. And to be fair, if you, if you look at the two team sheets, we had a very, very strong team. I think we fancied ourselves on the day to win it. But as I say, Brighton were just magnificent from, from one end to the other. I think four days later, that they'd sort of run their race. They'd given 120%. There wasn't that much left in the tank. And, and, we, and we were the opposite. We were more confident now. We thought, hang on a second. It ain't going to go from us the second time. And we got going. Norman was brilliant. Robbo was stunning. Uh, and I think then it was difficult for Brighton to deal with us. But, uh, yeah, it was their big moment. And, and it will always be remembered for Gordon. But I still think the fans should should understand that he didn't miss, agree with Arthur, he didn't miss it, and it's, it's unfair to keep coming back at him every time to say it was a miss. It was an on-target effort that was saved, and if they, if they rather credit me than, than hammer him, I'll be more than happy. <laughs> well, listen, uh, listen, thank you very much indeed. Of course, Gary but Bailey there joining us from South Africa, and as we run up to now towards the end of the programme, after that breathless and wonderful FA Cup final that ends with Gary Bailey's save, let's now call it rather than Gordon <laughs> Smith's miss. Tonight we're looking back on the 1983 FA Cup final, or rather, the rather I'm sorry about this for Arthur Alberston because it's wrong to call a winner's medal a non-event, but the non-event of the replay. Brighton were 3-0 down at half-time. Jimmy Case, I'm looking yeah. at you. Yeah, what yeah. happened in that game? Yeah, well, it's it's like what happens, you know. Sometimes, you know, especially with the team like who you're playing, Manchester United, and our team were relegated. And but but when you look at the first game, everything was geared up for the first um, first game. Everything 
to do the helicopter, the hype and everything, and the players were set up for it, the confidence was there. You'd be surprised of, of if you was with us on the day, on the first game, there was the laughter and then everybody was joking. It might have been nervous energy, but it was all as if like we're going there to enjoy it, that type of thing. But the second game, there was a different feel about the whole thing, mid middle of the week or a Thursday, I think it was, and you get there. And, okay, you still up there trying to win the game that's everything but once one goal goes in then the second one and you could see looking around the pitch maybe some of the more experienced players uh, looking around and thinking well the younger ones you know they're a bit sort of like rabbits in the headlights type situation and we were a little bit disorganised as the game went on and obviously the scoreline says it all well, let me just uh, remind people that uh, in that first half, after 25 minutes, the great Brian Robson opened the scoring. Uh, five minutes later, Norman Whiteside, who had such an effect on the two finals, uh, put them two up. Um, and uh, on the stroke of half-time, Arnold Muren um, uh, put in a cross which was headed on uh, by Robson, but stable headed back across the goal for Brian Robson to get his second at the far post. Um, Arthur Alberston, um I mean, sure, that was all going very, very nicely mm. from your point of view. Did you... It, 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 it's, it's statistically, it's just a fact that in all FA Cup ties, the underdogs rarely win the replays. Did United go into that game with a pretty good feeling that you that you that they had done their bit, their race was run, you <coughs> beat them? Yeah, I think the first game, uh, Jimmy alluded to, that it's, it's more like a showpiece occasion. It's like maybe going to like a, a wedding reception after it, a big dinner, a big banquet. I think on the, the midweek game on the Thursday, you more it felt more as if you're going for a, a difficult away league game in London, if you like. It was a night atmosphere, uh, j- just different. Where there's no big dinner after it. You're coming back on the train as quickly as you can. So I think I think everybody's more, I don't know, a little bit more focused and let's get this job done. Brighton have had the chance and let's do it right and hopefully if we can take the lead uh, the game might become uh, a little bit easier for us than it was at the weekend and and that's what happened Gordon Smith with your experience as a football administrator at the SFA and beyond um, do you approve of the the way we don't have replays now for FA Cup finals that uh, they go to penalties after extra time or uh, I mean some of the greatest games I've ever of course I happen to be a a fan of Spurs who won two brilliant um, replay victories uh, just before before this cup final Um, do you think we're right now not to go to a replay it is a difficult one. It's probably right now because maybe even the cup final is not the big occasion mm. it used to be. And I agree totally. I think the guys summed it up very well there, Jimmy and Arthur, about the fact was that uh, in those days it, it took away. The first game seemed to be the occasion. And, and even now, I suppose that it's not as big an occasion as it was in those days, and which I, I think sad because I think the FA Cup should be. But you were taken away from it a little bit with the replay. It was a, it was a Thursday night. You know, it's a, an even kickoff. It's not quite the same. So therefore, in that respect, probably nowadays going for extra time and penalties is the correct thing. Have it decided on the day. Do you think so, Jimmy? Yeah, I think it is some sort of anti-climax because of you know the the day of the FA Cup and things like that. It just feels you know, felt a little bit different, you know. Even though you don't think it, but looking back on it now, you know, it, it was like that type of scenario that we basically had our chance the first, and you, you only get one bite, at, you know, trying to see them off. And uh, you know, it wasn't to be. The game was a good game, first game, great game both sides and uh, just unfortunate that we couldn't just uh, get over the hurdle 
in the second half of that extra time, um, uh, Arnold Muren took a penalty uh, that had made it 4-0. And I suppose, uh, FA Cup final or no, um, Gordon and, and Jimmy, uh, at that stage, you must be just hoping, uh, will the referee uh, needs to blow this whistle now before this gets to be something that people will remember forever? Well, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's gone down. Well, it is there in history. But it, the, the, the thing about thing about it, you know, mainly is, is, is always, OK, you've got the players around you on the pitch, but the amount of people support that, you know, go along them lines and obviously go to the first game and then may go up to the second game so quickly on a turnaround situation. And all season, the, the fans, even though we got relegated, were absolutely fantastic. And uh, you couldn't have wished for, you know, a greater support, you know, right the way through that season. And obviously into the final, we'd love to have done it for them. But obviously, you know, it wasn't to be. The thing about it is, Danny, you're most worried to see when you go 4-0 down just, yes. after, just after half-time. The thing is, you're playing for pride then, mm. because your 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 worry, your biggest worry is this is going to be an embarrassing <gasps> cup final defeat, right? And we're ready four 0 down. I think it was a, I think we're talking about inside the first uh, ten minutes of the second half yeah. when we lost the fourth inside goal. Inside the hour, yeah. Yes. So you think yourself, oh. yeah, you have to dig down for the reserves of energy and, and do that little bit of extra running where you know you're up against it, you know you're not going to win it, you but you're, you're not still win. you're playing yeah. for that fella next to you and you put pride. yourself on the line. And so I presume, I presume that the opposite is true, Arthur. If you're in the red shirt and you're falling up in a cup final, it must be you could probably run until for another three hours. Well, exactly. It gives you that that confidence and to go three 0 up at half time. Um, everybody's just saying at half time, don't do anything stupid and don't don't let them into the game at all. But I think we were a little bit more focused on that uh, replay. Then Arnold Muir got the penalty when Robbo got brought down, and the game's really over. And you know, it's not nice for the opposition to be. You know, we, we didn't sort of take, try to take the Mickey or fiddle about flicking it here, there, and everywhere. Uh, everybody had a professional job to do. We didn't want to concede any goals, and um, thankfully it, it worked out okay for us on the Thursday. Night. Arthur, I don't want to. I'm not going to allow this program to end on a downbeat note because it's been such. Uh, I mean, it's been a joy to talk to the three of you. But we should discuss one of your teammates that day. Um, one of the players who played in both those games was the wide midfielder called Alan Davis, who was the fourth member of that brilliant Manchester United midfielder. Mm. Um, and it, it was one of only ten games that he played uh, in all competitions for Manchester United. And of course. He committed suicide some years later at the yeah. age of 30 after his career kind of drifted away from him. Um, what are your recollections of young Alan? Young, quiet lad, um, very tidy on the ball, came in and played in, the, in both the cup final games. Stevie Coppel would have been playing, but he got injured, I think, playing for England during the season, and that curtailed his career, unfortunately. But Alan came in, and I think in the 10, 11 games he played for United, he played in two cup finals against Juventus twice, uh, Barcelona he might have played against, and he, he made his debut for Wales against Brazil. Um, some mouth-watering games there, but uh, tragic, uh, tragically, I think it was 92, he, he went to Newcastle, then he went to Swansea, and I think they might have given him a free, and he took that really to heart and, and, and took his life, and it's absolutely tragic. Local lad as well, big United supporter, but a very, very quiet, unassuming lad, but he played his part in that cup final in both games. Absolutely, and uh, let's, and I just wanted to, to remember him there, because we've talked about so many of the characters and the aspects of that cup final. Um, I'll start by the running towards the end of the programme, but with the winners, I'm sure the the, uh, the runners-up, shall we say, won't mind that. Um, Arthur, you also won the Cup with United in 1977-1985. Um, mm -hmm. Which are they, I mean, are they different? Are they brilliant for different reasons, or what, where would you place the '83 victory? 
Well, it's right up there. You don't get many chances to play in cup finals. Well, you did. Uh, well, I, I was just going to say the 77 game, I shouldn't have been playing. It was the first FA Cup tie I played. I only played because Stuart Houston broke his ankle two weeks before the game. So I felt a little bit embarrassed uh, coming to somebody's sort of party, if you like, not being invited. But um, we played against Liverpool and Jimmy was playing and Liverpool were flying at the time going for the treble and, and we managed to get a result. So obviously it helped uh, it helped my career. But the, um, the 79 game was uh, a bit galling because I thought we were back in that game with lost that but to win against Everton as well was a, a, t- a really tough match but the, the Brighton game's right up there as well because as we just spoke about with Gary if we if we concede that goal the game's over we don't even get n- enough time to kick off so I could have had a loser's medal but for Gary we've got a winner's one OK and if I might turn uh, to uh, to Jimmy here um, you lost the 77 final uh, against uh, against Manchester United as well yeah. um, how do you compare the two defeats and the feelings you had at them? Um, well, I said it, I wasn't vending on downer. This is a terrible question. No, no, <laughs> the two, two defeats. And I mean, I, I, that was probably the only thing I never won was the FA Cup. But I had two bites of the cherry. But I, albeit it was against Man United, two tops to the sides, different times, if you like. And uh, Arthur, I remember playing against Arthur, great player. And remember my goal, which is like, mm. as Gordon says, to, that's your childhood dream, you know, to score mm. a goal. But we were just like, in the 77 one, we were just. Like a uh, bit disappointed, we we thought we because there was a lot of hype about the treble. Uh, we'd already bagged the league title and then we'd off to Europe in midweek. But but again, uh, if we would have sort of like won at Wembley, we might not have won in Rome and in, uh, in the European Cup final. All that scenario about the treble. But having said that, fair dues, they got the extra goal, albeit it was a bad one. But um, again, you know, going into it, I enjoyed every minute of Brighton. To do it with a club, um, yeah. you know, a different club as Liverpool, like if Arthur went so did go somewhere else and got there with the likes of, say, Huddersfield. Mm. And so, Oldham, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a fantastic feeling because you've been there, you've done it before. It's a but special achievement. Yeah, it's absolutely. And the, 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 the crowd of players, what we had at Brighton, was second to none. You've been listening to an archive edition of Talk Sports My Sporting Life with Danny Kelly. Thanks for listening. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast and Spotify for more top talk sport content. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.